That does look good. If if Jesus could walk past others to heal one, there, there had to be a reason. Somehow, there was a connection made with Jesus. God called you. spiritual leader of your home God appointed you God assigned you God has anointed you to be the spiritual leader of your home it's not her job she's not going to stand accountable for your family she's not going to stand accountable for whether or not your family was in church She's not going to stand accountable for whether or not your children were brought up in the way that they should not depart from it. You will. You are men called before God Almighty to make a difference. You're called to be the prayer warriors for your family. You're called to be the example. You're called to be the one that they look up to. You're called to be the one that they see reading the Word of God. You're called to be the one that leads by example in everything you do. You are called and anointed by God Almighty to lead your family. America's going to hell in a handbasket and it's because the men ain't doing it. It's an assignment. It's an assignment. Can, can I tell you something? There is no way to do what God called you to do except through Jesus Christ. There's no way that you could be what God called you to be in 2018 except by one reason. Anybody got any experience leading a choir? I need a man. You do? Come here, brother. Come on, Sam. I ain't going to give you something you don't know. Stand right here. There's only one way that if the Lord tarries and we stay here in 2019, there's only one way that you're going to be what God called you to be in 2019. Miss Frida, I know they know the song. If you'll put some words right up there on that screen, if you guys will play, we're going to sing the only way you can make it is because he lives.
to take a look at a message entitled, A Look Back. I want us to, to look back on 2018. I want us to look back on our own personal lives. I want us to look back at the life of the church, at, at this past year of Faith Baptist Church. Looking back, honestly, if we, if we look at it from an honest perspective, um, looking back has a, a lot to offer. We're going to look back not only at our own lives, we're going to, of course, use the Word of God, and we're going to look back on the lives of some men and the gospel, look back on the lives of, of, of some people that, that God used, some mistakes that they made, and kind of look back and, and let the Lord use that to help us. Because to be honest, sometimes looking back on the mistakes of others can help us either avoid or overcome a mistake that we ourselves have made. Anybody say amen. Luke chapter 9, verse 62 Jesus said, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, in that passage, Jesus isn't talking about looking back to evaluate your life. He's not talking about just looking back on your past and looking back on your mistakes. He's talking about looking back at the life of sin. He's talking about looking back at the life from which God has delivered you from and looking back at it with a desire. He, he's talking about don't look back on the things that God has delivered you from, the things he's talking about from a Christian perspective. Don't look back at sin and wish you had some of it back. Don't look back at things that you used to do with regret that you're no longer doing those things. So he's not telling us don't look back and evaluate your life. He's saying don't look back and regret any of the former junk that he's delivered us from. Amen. You, you can be seated. Thank you very much. I'm going to read several passages throughout the morning, but I don't really have one particular passage. I'm just going to read and, and key off of that outside of that one there where Jesus spoke, Luke chapter 9. What we look at in the Old Testament, we see the children of Israel did it. They were still in seeing distance of the Red Sea. They were still in hearing distance of the sounds of Egypt. They, they were still within sight of the things that God had delivered them from. They, they were still within a walking distance of the very things that God had brought them away from, and they began to murmur and complain, desiring the things of their past. Lot's wife did it. We, we know how the story that God sent the two angels, and they went down the night before, and they told Lot to, to take his family and get out, and none of them would go. Fathers, this ain't even part of the message, but that's just a really good plug-in that goes with what God just gave me. If Lot had taken care of his house, there would have been several people left that day. There would have been several people would not have died in Sodom that day. There would have been several people, his own daughters, his own son-in-laws, his own wife, his own family. You hear what I'm telling you, men? If he would have taken care inside of the four walls of his home, his entire family would have lived that day. But because he did not stand up for the gospel of God and say, I don't care what the world says. I don't care what your friends say. I don't care what everything else looks like. I don't care what everybody else wants to act like. Inside my house, we will serve the Lord. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether it be the God of the Amorites or the Amalekites or the Jebusites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and this house that you're living in, we're going to serve the Lord. If Lot had done that, if Lot had taken care of his house, his family would not have died. His wife didn't turn into a pillar of salt. She didn't die because she looked back with pity. 
She didn't look back in sympathy thinking about, oh, my children are going to hell and I could have changed it. She didn't die because she looked back and said, oh, I'm so sorrowful because I didn't preach the gospel. I'm so sorrowful because of all my friends that that are going to be tormented and, and go through this and die. She didn't look back with some kind of sympathy. She looked back with desire. She wanted the sin. She wanted the stuff that she came from. And because of that, she lost her life. Had the man of the house taken care of his household, he wouldn't have lost his family. That's all free. I'm already an hour long in the message, so we're going to get longer every time I plug one of those in. Listen, I didn't get to preach last Sunday night or Wednesday. I've been working on two or three messages a long time. You can't let me not preach and expect me to do something in 40 minutes. And we look back on 2018 and we, we look back on our own lives. I'm, I'm just asking you to reflect this morning, to be the man looking in the mirror, the woman looking in the mirror, look back on your own life. Was it a year of success or was it a year of failure? Was it a year of growing spiritually or are you still in the same place you were when the year began? Do you know more about the Bible now than you did in January of 2018? Do you have a better prayer life now? Do do you pray more fervently and effectively? Do you pray more for your family? Do you lead your family better? Do do you have a better prayer life now than you did in January of 2018? Do you have a better Bible daily reading habit now than you did in January? Do you have a greater love for people now? There's your good gauge. Does it hurt you more now to know that people around you are dying and going to hell and you could make a difference? Does it bother you more now than it did in January? Is anybody going to heaven because of your life, your witness, your testimony? Have you made a difference in anybody's life in 2018? Is there anybody that in January of 2018, they were on their way to hell, but in December of 2018, they are on their way to heaven because you invested your time into them You witnessed and you told them about Christ and they accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Do you have that testimony for 2018? Did you come to worship this morning? Or you still just come to hold down your same old pew that you were holding down in January? Is Faith Baptist Church a better, stronger, more spiritual church because of you in your worship and your service? than it was in January. When you look at 2018 from a spiritual standpoint, was it a year of gain? Was it a year of loss? Or eh, somewhere in the middle. Just a mediocre kind of year. If it was a year of victory, if you know more about the Bible, you have better prayer habits, you're worshiping God, if you're at a new level, praise God. Praise God that you're growing in Christ. But, but can I tell you, if it was a mediocre year for you, mediocrity is the same thing as failure. We, we're either growing or we're dying. There is no stalemate. 
There is no mediocrity in serving God. I've used the example of water many times, and I know I've told you that many times. You're either growing or you're dying, but water is living water. It runs. It flows. It brings nourishment. It carries life and nutrition to everything downstream. It provides life. It is a source of life. Even something like West Point Lake that is dammed and backed up, it's constantly rowing or flowing. There's constantly water coming in, water going out. It's moving water. If it ever stops moving, it becomes like your swimming pool. And if you don't put some kind of circulation, you don't put some kind of something to keep it, then it becomes stagnant. When it becomes stagnant, it becomes poison. It's no good for anybody. And if you give it time, it'll just dry up and be gone. That's what a mediocre life is in serving God. But the good news is failure is never fatal unless it's final. If you haven't been everything that you know that God wants you to be, it's called procrastination. Procrastination is the same thing as refusal. Procrastination against God is a sin. You and I do not have the authority to put God on hold. Mm. We either obey God or we reject God. Procrastination is the same thing as rejection. Procrastination is one of those words you don't hear people use it much anymore. It's seldom used, but it's often practiced. There's always, I'll get to it in a little bit. I'll do a little bit later. Procrastination means to put off until later the things that you should do now. It means to put off until tomorrow the things that you should do today. The Bible warns us against supposing that the future will accommodate our laziness. The Bible says in Proverbs 27, 1, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Procrastination can bring great defeat. There's a story about the American Revolutionary War that probably even most of the American citizens that enjoy all of the great privileges that we enjoy and all of the great freedoms that we have, yet the majority probably still don't know the story. The man's name is Colonel Raw. He was commander of 1,200 Hessian troops at Trenton. I, I did put that in pronunciation. It said it's Hessian troops. Hessian troops, by definition, I even looked them up. They were German mercenaries serving in the British forces during the Amer American Revolutionary War. History books say that by 1776, Raw belonged to the infantry regiment of the 1st Division under General Philip Leupold von Heister and commanded approximately 1,200 men fighting for Great Britain in the American War of Independence. He was at the Battle of Brooklyn at Flatbush, the Battle of White Plains, the Battle of Long Islands, and figured prominently in the Battle of Trenton. On the night of December 25, 1776, General George Washington crossed the Delaware River with his troops on his way to Trenton, New Jersey. The Haitian regiments camped in and around Trenton and were attacked and were decisively defeated by the American Continental Army. Here's the part that's not in most of the books. Colonel Rawl was playing cards. He was in this tent. He had a group of men. They were involved in a card game. And one of the couriers came and brought him a message. The message was urgent, but he didn't take time to look at that part. He took the message and he put it in his pocket and he continued his card game into the night and he played the rest of his card game. When he got through, he and his fellows had their camaraderie, their fellowship, they went out. He decides to pull out this notice and take a look. The notice said, urgent. <laughs> General George Washington has crossed the Delaware River. Prepare your troops immediately. It was too late. Just a little bit of procrastination 
cost him his life. It, it cost him several of his men's lives. The rest of them were all captured. It, they were decisively defeated by the American Continental Army. It's what's in the history book because of procrastination. Procrastination was his failure. It led to his demise. God gives you and I stuff to do. We don't get to say in a minute. We don't get to say tomorrow. Just a few minutes delay. Change things. Tomorrow is the excuse of the lazy and the incompetent. What, what we've done in the past may be a mistake. Maybe we've made some mistakes in our past. Maybe the future never arrives. The one thing that we have right now is the present. Matter of fact, it's God's gift to you. That's why it's called the present. I heard somebody say that one time. It's the present. You have it right now. God gave it to you. That's all you're certain of is the present. God gave you the present. We're to do now. We're not, we're not supposed to put off things. Our motto ought to be do it today. Do, do you have any friends that are on their way to hell? Anybody you need to witness to? Do you have any doors in your neighborhood that maybe need to be knocked on? Do, do you have any co-workers, maybe classmates at school? There's somebody, 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 I don't know who, but somebody needs to tell them about Jesus. I don't know why somebody don't just come over to where I work and tell them about Jesus. I don't know why somebody don't show up at my school and come in and tell them about Jesus. Somebody ought to tell you, yes, somebody should. Somebody ought to tell them about Jesus. And Jesus has put you in the place where you are. Procrastination is the door of too late. I asked a question a couple weeks ago. Have you been everything for God that you wanted to be in 2018? We labeled this year. The website's been it all year. January 1st weekend, first Sunday of last year, I preached Commitment 2018. Have you done it? Are you more committed to serving God than you were when I preached that message 12 months ago? Are you more committed to church? Are you more committed to being at church? Are you more committed to serving at the church? Are you more committed to being an active part of the church? Have you grown? Are you more committed to the things of God? What about faith? Is Faith Baptist Church a better church because of you? Is Faith Baptist Church spiritually stronger because of you, because of your prayer life? Is Faith Baptist Church larger than it was because of you? Do, do we have anybody here that's because you invited them to church because God did something in you and you just had to tell somebody? <coughs> you just had to invite somebody to your church. Let them know what God's doing. Or are we bigger than we were? This one's a very obvious question for me to ask myself, but it's beneficial for all of us to look at the same question, so I'll go ahead and just say it out loud so we all get it. Has the church grown spiritually? In 2018, are the members of Faith Baptist Church closer together than they were at the beginning of the year? Are we closer to God than we were at the beginning of the year? Are we more one than we were at the beginning of the year? Are we closer as a body? I'm not talking about small groups. I'm not talking about cliques. I'm not talking about your holy huddles. I'm talking about Faith Baptist Church as a whole. Are we fitly joined together according to the Word of God more than we were in January? Think about it from a spiritual standpoint. And I'm not talking about the ever-present New Year's resolution to lose weight and do that stuff that's gone by January 4th or 5th. I'm not talking about the New Year's resolution. I'm going to break a bad habit, and that's usually gone by January 2nd. 
I'm talking about from a spiritual standpoint. Did you make any resolutions in January of 2018 to God? Did you make any resolutions to grow closer to God? I know some of us did. Because I remember asking, have you ever read the Bible through in a year? Many hadn't. Many hadn't ever read the Bible through, period. And many of you, many of you, I had heads bowed, eyes closed. If you'll commit to reading the Word of God through this year, raise your hand. And many people in this building raised their hand and said, I'm going to read the Bible through in a year. I, I even bought some one-year Bibles that you could just come see me and I'd give it to you. That would just help because I had a daily reading plan. It takes 15 minutes and you came and got them. Did you finish them? Did, did you keep the commitments of the things that you committed to a year ago? Some of you may have committed to be a better prayer warrior. I'm going to pray more effectively, more fervently over the course of the next year. Are you doing that? Do you pray more for the church? Do you pray more for the family? Do you pray more for your children? Do you pray more for your, for your workmates? Do you pray more in general? Have you kept the commitment? Look, looking back, looking back can be devastating. Because we look back at the commitments that we made and, and we didn't keep them. But they can also be very beneficial. There's a bad side and there's a good side. The bad side is the things that I just mentioned that many of us sit here and know we made a commitment in January 2018. Here we are in December. We're, we're a couple of days away. We're, we're not going to finish it. You got off to a good start, man. I mean, you were whirlwind, read the Bible through in a year, and I mean, you were dead on it for all of eight days. And unless you're a speed reader, you ain't going to make up the difference in the next couple. The bad part is there's no going back and changing it. It's gone, it's gone. The good part is God's still good. The good part is God's still merciful. The good part is God's grace is still sufficient. There's a new day coming. There's a new year coming. The Bible has much to say about not turning back. But there's a big difference between turning back and, and looking back. I'm not talking about anybody turning back. Anybody in here want to turn back? Anybody here want to go back to the life of sin that God's delivered you from? Anybody here want to go back to the garbage? That, 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 that's turning back. But there's some advantages in, in looking back. Once you look back, you can look back on things, and, and there's some things to be gained there. Because when you look back, you've been made more aware of the tricks of the enemy. You've been made more aware of just how easy you really can fall. You've been made aware of that thing I said I'll never do. You did. Or the thing you said I'll always do, you're, you're no longer doing. You, you've been made aware that if you play with fire, you really are going to get burned. You, you can look back on mistakes and you can understand <clears throat> that I'm not above mistakes. I, I, I'm, I'm not perfect. So you can look back and there's some things to grow. Paul looked back on his past a lot of times. Paul spent much of his writing talking about his road to Damascus experience. Talking about what he came from to what he is. Talking about what Jesus Christ did. But also in the epistles that he wrote to the churches, Paul talked quite often about the life of sin that he came from. Paul talked quite often about when he was Saul. When I was the one that persecuted the church. I was the worst sinner among us. But here's what he said in his letter to Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12. I thank Jesus Christ our Lord who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful putting me into the ministry. Who was before a blasphemer, persecutor, injurious. 
But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. The grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul looked at his failure often, but he looked at it to give God the glory. He looked at it at where God picked me up from and, and where God has put me and how God has now allowed. God put me into the ministry. A, a sinner, a heathen, like me, he takes the mistakes of his past and he uses them to, to benefit others, but he also uses them to benefit himself so, so that he has a, a more earnest desire to serve God in his present and in his future as long as God leaves him here. We can look at David. Man, what a life. David was God's anointed. He, he was God's chosen vessel. He, he was anointed and appointed king of Israel. He was the young lad with all the armies of Israel there. Nobody would fight Goliath. He's the one that said, I will. <clears throat> He's nothing to me. He's the one that walked up to a giant that had all the armies defiled and all of them scared. He said, you come after me with a sword and a, and a spear and, and a shield. But I come in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. He, he said, I've come in the name of the one that you've defiled. David's the one that God himself said he's a man after mine own heart. Yet we find that David broke half of the Ten Commandments in one story. He coveted Uriah's wife, broke commandment number 10. He committed adultery with her, he broke commandment number 7. He stole his friend's wife, committed commandment number, broke commandment number 8. He lied, broke commandment number 9. He murdered Uriah, he broke commandment number 6. He broke half. Of the Ten Commandments. In one story. But then when he's confronted by Nathan the prophet. He confessed his sin. And he repented. Y'all know the story. The child that was born as a result of the sin. That child still died. But David went on to be used greatly by God. After his mistake. Now now here, here's the principle. So that, so that failure doesn't get the last word. I, I think this particular quote is Max Licato's book. It's called Six Hours, One Friday. I don't know. I take my phone. I've got a notepad, and I've got tons of quotes. But anyway, here's the quote. When we've sinned, we must recognize it and repent. God's forgiveness doesn't save us from the consequences of our conduct. But if we've abandoned the behavior, if we've abandoned the behavior and are willing to accept the consequences, God will still use us. David didn't look back on his sin and wish that he could go back. David, his heart was broke because he sinned against God. And he turned away from the sin. Another example here in the, in the Old Testament would be the prophet Elijah. Man, what a man of God. Surely if anybody is solid, it's Elijah. Surely if anybody could serve God with their whole heart and their whole life and never let God down, surely it's Elijah, <coughs> the man who called for it. Not to give rain. And for a span of three and a half years, it doesn't rain. Matter of fact, it didn't rain again until Elijah called for it to rain again. 
He's the man who went down to the brook Cherith just because God said you go down there. And he went down there expecting to eat and to drink just because God said the ravens are going to feed you there. How much hope could there be in that? He's the man that just went because God said go. He's the man that went and he commanded the widow to take your last little handful of meal and your last couple of drops of oil. And you bake me a cake first. And then for months the meal never ran out and the oil never ran dry. He's the man that the widow's son died and he went in and he spread his body out over that dead boy three times. And he called upon God to put life back into that boy. He's the man that came up before all the people and called the 450 prophets of Baal into a showdown. Poured barrels of water on the sacrifice. Called the fire of God down out of heaven to devour the sacrifice and lap the water up out of the ditches. He's the man that went toe-to-toe with 450 prophets false prophets of Baal had all of them killed because they had deceived the children of Israel. Surely, surely if there's ever a man who wouldn't let God down, it's Elijah. Then we find Elijah hiding under a juniper tree, running from God and running for his life. Let let, let me go on before I read this passage right here. Let, let, let me just put a little question in mind before I go on with the story of Elijah. Has anybody ever felt burnout? Anybody ever felt like, man, I just need a break? I, I, just, I just need to sit out a year from working in Awana. I, I just need to sit out a year from serving in Judgment Journey. Man, I, I, just, I just need to take a year off from, from serving in He's Alive. I, I'm burnout. I just need to sit out. Let me tell you this, that's a sin. You don't get to sit out on God. He ain't never sat out on you. And he don't want to sit out on him. But I want to tell you a beautiful story. Here in 1 Kings chapter 19, I want to read it to you. Now this is after the brook Cherith. This is after the ravens. This is after the showdown with the 450 prophets of Baal. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse number 1, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how all he had slain the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. <clears throat> when he saw that, he arose and went for his life, came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. This is a man who just went toe-to-toe with 450 prophets of Baal in front of all the children of Israel and, and overcame in the power of God and called fire down out of heaven, had all 450 prophets slain, and he's got one woman says, I'm going to kill you, and he's on the run. Verse number 4, he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a juniper tree and requested for himself that he might die. He said, it is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I'm not better than my father's. As he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. I want, I want you to pay attention to this part of the story. I want, I want you to listen to carefully. Elijah is, is laying out. He, he's running from God. He, he's burnt out. He, he decided he's going to sit on the sideline, and, and he's just not going to do it anymore. Look what God does in verse number 6. He looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on coals and a cruise of water at his head. <clears throat> and, and he did eat and drink and came and laid him down again. The angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee. That's when God tells you to do something. You don't know what lies ahead. 
The journey is too great for thee. And he arose and he did eat. And he went on the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. He came thither to a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. The children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with sword, and I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. God said to him in verse number 11, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountain, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. Elijah was burnt out. He thought he was the only one left, and he just wanted to die. God came to him. God fed him. God rested him up. And then God encouraged him. He said, Elijah, I got 7,000 men in Israel that's not bowed a knee to the prophet Baal. Get back in the fight. Get up and, and, and serve me. Listen, listen, God wants you and I to take some time to rest. He, he does. And, and that's what it's great about even this season, Christmas and, and all the running. It's a lot of hectic for a while, but now we're on the backside. There's, there's a couple days here to rest. There's some time coming up. God wants us to take care of ourselves spiritually. God wants us to take care of ourselves emotionally and even take care of ourselves physically. But he does not want us out of the game. Let me give you another example. We, we looked at Paul. These are all just brief mentions, but Paul being the greatest among sinners, he says of himself, yet he's used greatly by God. Anybody say amen to that? David is an example of one of God's great servants in the Bible. Yet while living in the will of God, serving in the center of the will of God, he fell and made a mistake. Elijah one of God's greatest men just got his eyes off of the Lord just for a minute and began thinking that he had to do something under his own power. It's because he lives. It's only in the power of God that, that we can do anything. He, he, he's a great example that, that it's what God does in us and what God does through us. We have nothing else. But here, here's another example. Let me give you this one. Sometimes, Sometimes we get in over our head too quick. How many of you know somebody that came to church, Lord moved in a service, they got saved, maybe it was somebody from last week, children's Christmas play. We had three or four that I know of raised their hand, and they're saved, and, and man, they, they get in the church, they get involved, and they're in everything, man. They're here building stages, they down helping with a float. I mean, they're, they're involved, they're into everything we do, and they're all in for about two years, and all of a sudden you never see them again. Anybody know anybody like that? Anybody ever seen anybody that they just come in, they get into it, they're on fire, and you realize they really got it. But they tried to do everything. And I'm going to tell you, you can't do everything in a church like faith. There's too much going on. But people get in and they, they, they get burnt out. The Bible talks about preachers and teachers and, and deacons. And one of the requirements is that they be not a novice. They, they can't be new. They, they can't be new in their salvation, or maybe they can't be new in their service to the Lord because they, they get in over the head too quick. People come in, and they try to do too much too fast, and they end up falling by the wayside, and the ministry that they cared so much about becomes the very thing that overwhelms them. 
you've been serving God for just a few months or maybe even just a few years and it's still relatively new to you, be careful. God expects you to serve him, but be careful. Don't, don't try to do too much too fast. Don't, don't, don't try to be overwhelmed. Just be patient. Wait on God. He has a plan for you. Don't try to do too much too fast. Now, we'll leave that there. Here in the Bible, there's a story about a young man named John Mark. Anybody know John Mark? John Mark is very influential. He and his family were very influential in the early days of the church. As a matter of fact, they were very influential in, in the first days of the building of the church. How many, you know the story of Peter where Peter was arrested for preaching the gospel in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was put in prison and they were going to kill him. And he's sitting in chains. And so what did the church do? The church gathered at somebody's house and they began to pray for Peter, right? And so Peter's in, Peter, Peter, Peter's in prison. Peter's in prison. prison yeah. Y'all know the story. He's, he's in prison. And so the angel comes and the chains fall off. And the doors mysteriously open. And the angel leads Peter out. And he goes. And he comes to the house. And he knocks on the door because the church is inside praying. And he knocks on the door. And a damsel went to the door. She heard Peter's voice. And she ran back. And she said, it's Peter at the door. And she's a child. You're mad. You've lost your mind. We're here praying for Peter because he's in prison. We're trying to get him delivered. Shut up. You're disturbing us. She goes back and Peter comes in. That was the house of John Mark's family. This is a very influential family in the founding of the early days of the church. But then you find that John Mark is a young man. He went on a, on a mission trip. He went with Paul and Barnabas. And what you find out is while they were over there, well, he decided he's going to quit. He got on a boat, and for no apparent reason at all, he quit the ministry. It overwhelmed him. He gave up, and he went back. You find out later that he wanted to plug back in, and Paul said, he ain't going nowhere with me. I don't have room in my life for quitters. I don't have space. I don't have time. I wasted too much of my time. I got a few days left. I'm going to serve God. I don't have room for quitters so much so that, that he and Barnabas separated over the deal. But what you find out a few years later is Paul is sitting in a prison and he's awaiting a trial. And he wrote a letter to the church at Colossus. And he not only told him that, that John Mark is with him, but he says that he's been a great comfort to me. He says, as a matter of fact, when you see him, you make sure you love on him when you see him. The, the one that had greatly disappointed Paul at one time in his life, Colossians chapter 4, verse 10, Paul said, now he is a fellow worker. Bottom line, we all develop differently. But we all develop gradually. Failure isn't a sign that you can't handle it. You just may have moved too fast. Sometimes we try to operate at a level that we're not mature enough to operate at you got to follow God. When God says move, move by all means. When God says do something, do it. But you got to wait on God. Discernment's one of the hardest things you're ever going to learn. Serving God, discernment's one of the hardest words. One of the, you got to learn to decide, is this is God talking to me, the devil talking to me, or Donald Yancey talking to me? Because they all three talk to me. And the only one I need to listen to is God. And anything else is wrong. And anything else leads me astray. Discernment is important. When God tells you to go, you got to go. But you got to learn the difference. You got to know this God telling you to go. Or you'll wind up in over your head. And you'll wind up getting burnt out in the very ministry that God had for you. God's got something for all of us to do. Amen. But sometimes we try to do too fast and we fail. Y'all still with me, right? I want you to bear with me. Everybody in this place got somebody in your mind. I got about 10 of them. 
that came to this church, they got saved at He's Alive, they got saved at Judgment Journey, they got saved on a Sunday morning service, they got saved somewhere. They got plugged in, they jumped in the choir, they wanted to serve in a winer, they were in Judgment Journey, they helped with the latest Christmas dinner, they helped build a float. I mean, man, they just dove in. They were into everything. If, if you were here, they were here. You saw them in everything, and two, two and a half years later, they're gone. What happened was they got in over the head and they failed. And a lot of them, a lot of them are still out of church. Here's a message you can tell them. Thank you, Jesus. Failure does not disqualify you from serving God. God's grace is still sufficient. Even if you've been serving for years, and you're like Elijah, people looked at you and said, that's one that would never fail God. And you failed God. Grace is always sufficient. I want to look at one more, and I'm done. Yeah, well. I want, I want, I want to look at Peter for the sake of time. I, I won't talk about how great a servant Peter was, or how he walked on the water, and how what a mighty man of God, and how he was willing to fight for, for the Lord Jesus Christ, or how he was one of the inner, inner circles. We'll, we'll just move right on, and we'll talk about how when he was doing good. Anybody paying attention? Maybe you did good in 2018. Maybe you're reading the Bible better. Maybe you're praying better. Maybe you're involved. Maybe you're looking forward to being and He's alive. Maybe you're looking forward to serving. Maybe you can't wait to, to be at all the men's prayer meetings. Maybe you can't wait to serve. I mean, you, you're doing good. Peter was doing good, too, on the day that he denied Christ. Be careful. Be careful. Don't go to sleep on the enemy discernment you got to listen to the voice of God if you remember at the end of the day he, he, re, he said he didn't know Jesus he, he said I don't even know the man three times he, he said I don't, I don't know who he is matter of fact he cursed at the people that accused him of being a friend of Jesus when he realized what he'd done the Bible tells us that he, that he fell down and he wept bitterly anybody ever let God down before Anybody know the hurt to know that you let God down, that you made a conscious choice to let God down? He let God down. I'm sure that he felt like everything at that point in his life was a complete failure. I'm sure that he felt like from that moment on, he's the last person that Jesus would ever want to see. Jesus told him he was going to do it, and he said, that ain't never going to happen. I can tell you now, that's not going to happen, but he did. And here he is, weeping bitterly. Christ is dead. The last thing Peter saw was the bleeding face of the Lord Jesus Christ being beat on a whipping post when Peter denied him for the third time and Jesus looked at him. That's all he remembers, and there he is in his shame. I'm sure that, that Peter would have thought at that point that his life of serving Christ was over because of his failure. But what we find after the resurrection that Jesus said, go tell the disciples and Peter. What we find that Peter was the one that he went to first. What we find in John chapter 21 is that Peter's the one that he went to on the shores of the Sea of Galilee and not only restored him, but he appointed him as head of the church. He put him over the disciples. He made him the leader. He gave him the power and the ability to preach on the day of Pentecost. And 3,000 people were saved. What we see is that failure does not disqualify you from serving God because failure is never fatal unless it's final. That's the Bible stories. 
I don't have time to look at any more of them right now. There's a lot of them there. But that's, that's the Bible stories. That's the stories that God gave to you and I. That we could take those as, as examples and use them in our own life to strengthen us, to, to build us up. That God gave us to use. But, but what about your story? Is your story still being written? Every morning you wake up, your story is still being written. Where are you in your story? Anybody thankful that God is able to take our messes and make a masterpiece? Anybody thankful that, that God can take our, our mistakes and make a, a portrait of grace? Anybody thankful that God can take the test that we failed and make that failed test our great testimony? Anybody thankful for that? We serve a God who is able. Whether you served him faithfully in 2018 or whether you stumbled a few times along the way, God has sent us a message here this morning to encourage us, to let us know that he loves us, to let us know that he has a plan for us. The plan ain't going to end tomorrow on the last day of the year. We're just going to start over in a new year. I'm sure everybody in this room probably has some stories that we can look back on in our life that, that can help us. We can use them for our own benefit. Maybe help them a lot of times. We can use our stories to help benefit somebody else. Looking back but not turning back, right? Y'all with me? Looking back at failures reminds us of our weaknesses. Looking back at how God forgave us of those failures reminds us of God's grace. Looking back at the victories in our lives. Reminds us of God's strength. We, we look back here at the picture of these in the Bible that we looked at this morning. Seeing how God used them greatly after their failures reminds us of our possibilities. Because if God is indeed no respecter of persons, then what he did in them, he'll do in us. What he forgave them for, he'll forgive us for. What he used them to do, he'll use us to do. Regardless of our past, 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Paul said in his epistle to the church at Philippi, he said in chapter 3, verse 13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. No matter what the past is, Paul is living in the present because he knows he's living in the grace of God. Isaiah said in chapter 43, Remember you not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, y'all listening? All right, somebody wake up, the rest of you, because only about ten people was listening. Look at your neighbor and wake them up. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. 2019 is almost here. What do you see? When you look back, are you satisfied with the way you served God in 2018, or could you have done better? Pretty sure we all have the same answer to that question. So here's the real question. If the Lord tarries, and we're in this same building in December 2019, what will your answer be next year? Looking back at last year. Will you look back with regrets of the things that you didn't do that you should have done or did do that you shouldn't have done? See, we, we may not can make changes to 2018, but God promises that he'll do a new thing. Paul said, I press toward the mark, and I'm done. 
I'm done. That word press means to pursue. It means to seek after, to strive for. It means to give everything that we have in order to obtain the prize of the high calling of God. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to pray together. I want us to seek God's face together. I want us, I want us to thank God. I want us to thank him for the victories of 2018. I want us to thank him for the blessings of 2018. I want us to thank him for the failures of 2018. I want us to thank him for the mistakes of 2018. I want him to thank him, thank him for grace and mercy for 2018. I want us to thank him for everything that happened in 2018 because everything that God allowed in your life is to make you what you are today to make you better in 2019. So I want us to come together. If I could have you stand up all over the building. As many of you as will. As many of you as will, I'm asking you to come pray. As many of you as will, I'm asking you to come pray on your behalf, on your family's behalf, and on behalf of Faith Baptist Church. I want us to ask God to strengthen us that we be everything that he wants us to be. I want us to ask God to use us mightily in 2019. I want us to ask God, Lord, will you answer the prayer? Will you deliver the hearts of Troop County, Georgia in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Will you make us everything that you want us to be in 2019? Will you make us a church on the hill? Will you make us a lighthouse? Will you make us the hope, the restoration? Will you make us the hospital? Will you make us everything that this community needs? Will you use us to reach our hometown in 2019? Here, here, here's the prayer. I've said it before. Let me give it to you again. God, will you help us be the church that this community cannot live without? Take a look at it. If Faith Baptist Church was gone tomorrow, would LaGrange, Georgia miss it? If Faith Baptist Church and every one of us was gone tomorrow, would the community miss it? Or does this community benefit from this lighthouse on the hill? I want us to be the church that this community cannot live without. I want us to be the prayer warriors that praise a hedge of protection around Troop County, around the people around us that God uses mightily. I want us to be the people that God puts into the workplaces and into the schools that tells a lost and dying world that there's a Jesus Christ that died for them, that paid for their sin debt, that can give them an eternal home in glory. I want us to be the church that makes a difference in the gospel of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ here in our hometown, not just on that map. Not just in the uttermost parts of the earth, but in our Jerusalem. I don't want us to reach everybody in the foreign countries while driving past people that are going to hell right here in our own neighborhood. Can we pray? God, forgive us for our failures in 2018. God, forgive us for our mistakes in 2018. Forgive us for the times that we let you down. Forgive us for the things that we should have done and didn't. For, forgive us for, for the time, discernment, we heard your voice and we put it off till tomorrow and you got somebody else to go do what I was supposed to do. Understand God's work will get done. You just won't get the blessing. God will put somebody else in your place. Say, God, forgive me for yesterday, but strengthen me today that I might be better tomorrow. I'm asking you to pray that for yourself, for your family. Parents with children, pray for the lives of your children. That God would use them. I'm asking you to pray for Faith Baptist Church. That God would use this church. That we'd be a mighty fortress, a tool in the hand of God.
going to ask you real quick. Oh, we got some praying. If I could have everybody heads about eyes are closed. If, if, if you're saved, right now is a good time to thank God for it. Just be spending some time thanking God for saving sinners like me. It's a good time when you be praying, asking God if there be anybody in this building that's never trusted Christ their personal Lord and Savior. Will the Holy Spirit speak to them now? He's the only one that can. All I can do is say words. The Holy Spirit's the only one can speak to the heart. I won't know if there's anybody in here this morning you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You want to go to heaven. You sure don't want to go to hell. But you don't know for sure that if you died today, you'd go to heaven. I can tell you, you can know for sure if you trust Jesus Christ. Because he said, I am the way. He's the only way. Are you willing to trust him this morning? Are you willing to go home with the blessed assurance that if 2019 don't come on this earth, you'll wake up in eternity in the presence of God because of what Christ did for you and because you accepted the gift. We're right here on the back side of Christmas. Let me go ahead and tell you, if you've got any gifts under the tree that you've not yet opened, that gift will never do you any good until you go back and open it. It don't matter if it's a million dollars, you can go broke with it in the package as long as it's still packaged up. God has sent you a gift in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is forgiveness of sins and salvation of your souls. Are you willing to receive the gift this morning? Say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. It's not a magic prayer. This is your heart confessing to God. There must be confession of your own mouth. I am a sinner. You can't know, you can't get saved until you, you know you're lost. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. Would you pray that? I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. I'm asking you to save my soul in Jesus' name. You said a prayer like that, you're just as much a child of God as anybody in this room. You prayed that from your heart to the Lord. It's Jesus Christ and his precious blood that will wash away your sins and save you.